remembering is obviously very, very important to Jesus. I wish that there was a way that we could kind of transport, if that's the right word, transport ourselves 2,000 years ago and kind of be a part of, physically be there during that last supper. I wish that we could have real special insight into Jesus and what he was feeling and what he was experiencing, what he was thinking, real insight into what he was teaching because I believe that this was a time that he taught his disciples and an incredible truth that would transform their lives. It was an incredible truth that brought about an ordinance of the church, that is to say an obligation of the church that would be practiced from that day forward, and we practice it together this morning. It's important to realize that Jesus was 100% man and 100% God, and that human part of him feels like we feel. He feels rejection and he feels betrayal and he has the same kind of emotions that we have. I have this tendency to think, well, Jesus was God and so he can handle stuff like that so much better than me. It's not the same feeling for him that he can can even be beaten and, and mocked and have nails driven through his hands, but he's God, and so I'm sure he's... Yeah. But the Bible tells us that he feels that his emotions, that, that his experience is just like our experience. It tells us in Hebrews it's because of that that we can come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace in our time of need. I wish that we could transport ourselves back to that time. I wish we could have deep insight into Jesus and what he was experiencing. The Gospel of Luke gives us an indication of some of the things that took place in that upper room that night, and I want to use that as our passage of Scripture this morning, Luke chapter 22, and I want to read this entire uh, passage. It's 23 verses, verses 1 through 23. Before I do, let me pray. Lord Jesus, uh, we need to see you. Uh, we, um, we ask you, Lord, to open up our eyes. I pray, Lord, that, that every individual in here might see and experience something that would be fresh to them about who you are and how you love. Uh, Lord, I, I, I pray that you would help us to remember not only what you did, but how what you did transforms us and changes us. So, Lord, I need you to teach. I need you to speak. We need ears to hear your voice. I I trust you for that and thank you in advance for that. In your name I pray, amen. Luke chapter 22. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called the Passover. The chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to put him, Jesus, to death for they feared the people. And then Satan entered into Judas called Iscariot, who was of the number of the twelve. He went away, Judas, he went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers how he might betray Jesus to them. They were glad 
they agreed to give him money. So he consented and sought an opportunity to portray Jesus to them in the absence of a crowd. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. They said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? He said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters, and tell the master of the house. The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, completely furnished, and prepare it there. And they went, and they found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the the Passover. And when the hour came, he, Jesus, reclined at a table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. One version uses the word eagerly. I have looked forward to this. I'm passionate about this. I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He took a cup. When he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me at the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to the man by whom he is betrayed. They began to question one another which of them it could be who was going to do this. This was the time of the Passover. It was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. For those of you who may not be aware, this is a a time of remembrance that God had instituted to his people. For centuries and centuries earlier, God's people had been in bondage and in captivity in Egypt. And God had determined that he would free them from that bondage. They were in bondage for 400 years and had really grown into a great nation. God sent a deliverer named Moses to go before the Pharaoh of Egypt and say, God has told me to tell you, let my people go. Pharaoh said, no, I won't do that. And God sent plagues to the people of Egypt. And after each plague, Moses would go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And every time, Pharaoh would say, no, I'm not letting you go. And then there was a tenth and final plague. It was a plague where God had told his people that he would send an angel. And that angel would visit every home in Egypt. And the firstborn of every household would die. And he had told his people, the people of Israel, the people of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and I want you to slay a lamb. 
And I want you to take the blood of that lamb, and I want you to brush it onto your doorpost so that when my angel comes over your house and he sees the blood of the lamb, he will pass over and the life of your oldest will not be taken. And that's where we get the name Passover. And so it was, just as God had said, that his angel came, and the firstborn of every household was slain, except for the homes where the blood of the lamb had been spread. Moses goes back to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, obviously, the God that you serve is real. And yes, go, and go quickly. And so Moses spread the word to all of the people. You need to pack up, and you need to make provision, and we need to get out of here, and we need to get out of here as fast as we possibly can. And so when they made provision for the trip to leave, to exit Egypt, when they baked their bread, they left out the yeast in the bread so that they would not have to wait for the bread to rise. And they took their belongings and they took their provisions and they left Egypt. God had freed them from bondage. God says to them, I want you to always remember what I did. And so God instituted a celebration called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. For seven days, the people of Israel, at one point during the year, would not eat any bread that had yeast in it, only unleavened bread. It was the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and it would remind them of their exodus from Egypt and how they had to hurriedly leave. Deuteronomy 16, verse 3, tells us about that. During the Feast of Unleavened Bread, they were also to celebrate Passover. During the celebration of Passover, they were directed by God that each household would take a one-year-old male lamb that was without blemish. They would take that lamb to the temple They would have it inspected and they would take it before the high priest and they would place this live lamb on an altar and they would actually put their hands on the lamb. Some scholars say that they actually leaned onto the lamb and put all of their weight onto the lamb, which represented their sin. And the high priest would slash the throat of that lamb and the blood that flowed from the lamb would cover the sins of the household. The Passover. The Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, in Luke chapter 22 and verse 14, this is what we've read. The hour came when he reclined at the table and the apostles with him, and he said to them, I have so earnestly, eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. This is a very, very important statement. It was one that the disciples who would become apostles would always remember, I will not eat this again until it is fulfilled. Jesus was referring back to 
Isaiah 53, where we are told that there would be one who would come that would be bruised and would be pierced, and it would be by his wounds that we would be healed. It says that he would be led like a lamb to the slaughter. He's saying to them in this statement that I won't eat this again until it is fulfilled. He's saying this Passover that we celebrate is not an end. It's, it's something that points to something else. It points to someone else. And he's telling us that it points to the cross and it points to his sacrifice. That he is the fulfillment of the Passover celebration and the feast of unleavened bread. It says in verse 19 and 20, He says, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Now, I want you to to think about this. Do this in remembrance of me. This bread, this is my body, which is given for you. This this cup, he he, he took it just like he had taken the bread, and he distributed it, and he said, this this is the new covenant that is is sealed in my blood. This This is my blood. The point is this, he's saying to these disciples, these Jewish men, he's saying, look, no longer does the bread represent the exodus from Egypt. From now on, it represents the body, my body that I'm given to you. No longer does the cup represent the blood that was brushed on the doorposts. Now what it represents is my blood. Because blood is required to deal with sin. God makes this very, very clear to us in the book of Leviticus, chapter 17. He talks about there being life in the blood. God established early on that blood was required for dealing with sin. In the Old Testament, blood was required to cover sin. Under the New Covenant, blood is required to take away sin. That's why we sing songs like we sang this morning, nothing but the blood of Jesus, nothing but the blood of Jesus. I know that there are those sitting here this morning who think you you would agree, I I know I've sinned, I've done some terrible things in my life, but I've kind of taken care of those things by the good stuff I've done. There are people who still believe that. Many, many in this room, those who have come to know Christ as Savior, we still struggle with this, thinking that our good deeds puts us in a better position before God. Nothing but the blood, nothing but the blood, nothing but the blood. I love the verse of the song that we sang a couple of weeks ago. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, has been nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Jesus explains to them and he says, do this in remembrance of me. Come to this table in remembrance of me. This is about honoring Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about what I get from this. 
It's about honoring Jesus. It's about remembering him for who he is. Listen, we can, we can preach and we can teach on all of these things that, that Jesus says, here's what you need to do. This is my best for you. I want you to do these things. He gives us all of these blueprints, and we think about being obedient to him and honoring him for our obedience, but we also spend a lot of time thinking about how it benefits me. Not so with the Lord's Supper. This is totally about him, nothing about me, not what I get out of it. It's about honoring him. It's all about Jesus. It's making him the center. It's remembering him. It's doing this in remembrance of him. That's why it's sacred. It's why it's important. It's why the apostles and all of those followers of Jesus in that first century church devoted themselves to learning the word, to fellowship with one another, to prayer, and to communion. They devoted themselves to remembering. As often as you eat this, as often as you drink this, do so in remembrance of me. This is a sacred, sacred time. One more thought. Before we celebrate this sacred time together, that night, that last supper, up in that upper room, I think it's important that we remember that Judas was there. He had already gone to the religious leaders. He had already made a deal with them. And then it's like he sneaks back into the group. He sneaks back in to be with the disciples. Jesus washed his feet. He took the bread. He took the cup. He participated as if he was one of the guys, as if nothing had ever changed after they had partaken of this last meal together, Jesus boldly says, I've told you that there would be one who would betray me. I tell you now, the one that will betray me is here at this table. I imagine that shocked the disciples. There's no way they would think. We've been together for three and a half years. This is family. There's no way that someone could be here that would betray you. I think about this. I ask you to consider this. Isn't it, isn't it sick to you that, G, that Judas would go and make this deal and then kind of sneak back in to the group? Isn't it it's sick that, that he would partake of, of the ceremony, of all that was represented there, that he would allow Jesus to wash his feet? I think, how? And then here's the thought that came to my mind. I think this happens every week in churches all over our country. I think that there are those here this morning who betrayed Jesus last week. Sin. 
I'm not talking about believers in here who, like myself, struggle with certain things, and we, we so have a heart to allow the Spirit of God who indwells us to give us the power to overcome those things. I'm, I'm talking about people who, who call themselves believers, who think it's important to be a part of the church, who sin during the week, and they don't struggle with that at all. And they come in and they participate in, in the ceremony. And they sing the songs, knowing full well that they're going to leave here and go out and sin again, just like Judas knew. Jesus says to Judas in the Gospel of John, Oh, to be there and see this. Judas, go do what you have to do. Just go. Go quickly. Do what you have to do. What if I was to say that to you this morning? Just go and do what you have to do. Because church isn't about filling the auditorium. I'm not trying to get rid of people, but I want to tell you something. The purity of the church is important. It has everything to do with this table. I also want to tell you this, and I'll be honest and tell you this is really my opinion. There are those who would disagree with me. I think Jesus had an opportunity to repent. I think when Jesus confronted Judas and said, Judas, look, I know what you're going to do. Why don't you just go? Go quickly. Go do what you have to do. Don't come in here with the brothers. But you go and do what you have to do. I believe Judas had an opportunity. I believe Judas had a choice. I, I believe Judas could have said, you know what? I can't. I just can't do it. I believe he had a chance to turn from his sin and turn to Jesus the Bible says that he's not willing that any should perish. And, and God's providence and God's sovereignty is greater than any choice. Jesus still would have given himself for us as the perfect Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I suggest to you this morning, we all have that opportunity to turn from that thing that separates from him and turn to him. He was the perfect Lamb of God so that He could take away our sin. So this is a time of reflection. It's a time of evaluation. It's a time of worship. It's a time focused on Jesus. It's a time of, of honestly coming before Him and offering ourselves to Him. I beg you, brothers and sisters in Christ, I beg you, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto Him, which is only reasonable considering that He died for us. Man, I want to ask you if you would to stand.
we're going to distribute the bread, which represents the body of Jesus, the cup, which represents His shed blood, which God established early on as absolutely necessary for dealing with sin. When it's passed by, I ask that you take a, the bread and the cup and hold on to that because we want to celebrate this together as a church family. This is a sacred time. He made it very clear to us. As often as you take this bread, as often as you drink this cup, remember me. This is about Him. So Lord Jesus, what an honor, what a joy it is to gather with this family of believers and celebrate the ordinance of communion. Oh God, please don't allow this to be a ritual. Please don't allow this to be some kind of religious activity that we feel like we must do. Make it real to us. Take us to the cross. Help us to gaze upon your face. Help us to see the pierced side and the flowing blood. Help us to know that this is your expression of love for us. May it drive us, Lord, to our knees in worship. May it drive us to a place of thanksgiving. May it drive us to a place of intimacy with you. Help us, Lord Jesus, as only you can to understand why this is so sacred. Make this a sacred experience in the lives of your people. Here at Avalon Church, we invite everyone who has professed faith in Jesus Christ, who has trusted Him and His work on the cross to take away their sins, give them eternal life. We invite everyone who has experienced that to participate in communion. And so I ask, has everyone who would like to participate in communion been served? May we never take for granted the meaning of this bread and this cup. The Bible says on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it, he distributed it to his disciples, and he said, this is my body. It's given for you. No longer are we celebrating the exodus. Now we're celebrating the body that was given and broken for you. As often as you do eat this bread, he said, do so in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, there are numerous thoughts that come to my mind when I think of the body of Jesus. The first thing that I think of is you left heaven's glory. Were born of a virgin. You became 100% man and 100% God. You 
You made Your dwelling among us. What an incredible expression of love. And maybe we can't fully appreciate that until we experience the joys of heaven. But You left all of that to come. Forgive me, Lord, when I forget. Help me, Lord, to remember. After they had taken the bread, he took the cup, says he distributed it to those who were his followers, his disciples. And he said, this this is my blood that was shed for you. No longer are we celebrating the blood that was brushed on that doorpost. This is my blood that I freely gave for you. It's a requirement for dealing with sin. Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood can take away my sin. As often as you do take this cup, he said, do so in remembrance of me. Oh, the blood. Oh, the blood. My sin, not in part, but the whole. My sin, nailed to a cross, I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. May we be devoted to you, Lord Jesus. You who expressed your love to us by leaving heaven's glory, becoming the perfect Lamb of God, slain on a cross, shed your blood so that we could be forgiven and have eternal life. Forgive me when I forget, help me to remember. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me invite you to stand together. Let's have a time of worship before we close together.